So this will be, this is year two. Remember, year one, we sent a missionary to Tanzania. She's coming back. Well, year two, let's see what we can do to make an impact in Japan, all right? Would you guys just bow your heads, and we're just going to pray for him. God, I love the fact that he said he's going, whether he gets the money or not. I think that's awesome. Whatever part we can play as a church to help get him over there, um, God, give us the grace and the wisdom speak to us. But more importantly, when he's over there, help him to be effective. Give him the divine appointments and the connections to change somebody's life with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give him the things to say, keep him from saying the wrong things, and just anoint him with power, God, to be able to make a difference in that culture. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Caleb. You know, we want to train people. We want to see people grow. He said that's the first time he's ever spoken in public like that. Did he do a good job? Yeah, he did a good job. He said his parents used to drag him up there when he was little, you know, when they come back to the States and they go around talking to churches about their work in Papua New Guinea, but he's never done it himself. So we're honored to be a part of that. Um, just a reminder, after church, we are doing Go Deeper. Here's the manual for Go Deeper. We'd love for you to stay. You can, um, it's free. Uh, hang out with us, and we'll have lunch provided. And I definitely love that. But we're going to go into the Word of God today. So I'm going to pray. Um, join me. God, I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to share your Word. God, it is good to be in your house. But Jesus, we need you. We don't need Chris to talk. So I pray, Jesus, that you would speak that your will would be done, that you would visit us now, and that you would do big things in this church and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We've been on a series called Made to Belong, and we're going to be closing it out today. Um, and then our next series is called Ask Lakeside Anything. So if you have any questions, we'd love to hear about that to help build our next series. People have asked two kinds of questions that are really hard, questions that I don't want to talk about. So ask some more so I don't have to answer those ones, all right? Um, I'm halfway kidding. Any, nothing's off limits. Ask some hard stuff. We want to get down to um, the reality of what the Word of God says, and um, we want to be very honest and true with that. But ask some questions. Put it on there. It's on our, our website. You can find the link to that, um, or you could write it on a contact card and drop it in the box. But we talked about how we're made to belong, and we talked about we're made to belong to a God who loves us and won't um, forsake us, that he holds us in his hand. We talked about we're made to belong on mission to where God has called us to, to go on mission and, and to be about sharing his word, which is why we have a brother right here that is going to do that in Japan, which I thought fit well to talk about that. And today we're going to be talking about made to belong to a kingdom, all right? And we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God, which is which is very, very, very difficult thing to talk about. And so I covered your prayers, but I think it's important because you cannot take the idea of kingdom away from the idea of Jesus, because Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's who he is. That's his title. That's He reigns. And in fact, if you look in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, one of the very first things Jesus did when he began his ministry, and we're going to read that in the Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, that says, from that time... Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This idea of kingdom, you can't really separate it from the gospel. You can't separate it from Christ because that's what he came to do. But we don't do kingdom, really. We do voting. We do president. We do senate. We don't do kingdom. We don't have that concept here. It's kind of nice. I mean, we get to pick our lawmakers, and they do whatever they want to do anyway, and, you know, we vote people in, and they do other stuff, and 
I mean, it's not a perfect system that we got, but we don't have that. Jesus says, I've come to set up a kingdom, and he's on the throne. Now, kingdom works well when there's a good king on the throne. And I put a definition of kingdom, and if we can get that on the slide right here, is, is here's a definition of what it is. is Jesus embodies the kingdom, and he establishes the kingdom because of the work he's done on the cross. And I guess they're having some trouble getting that up there on there, but he says, the kingdom is embodied and established in Jesus' victory over sin, Satan, and death. And he's done that through his death and resurrection. So Jesus is the kingdom. Jesus embodies the kingdom. Jesus started the kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand, is what he said. Kingdom, if you look at the definition, that's right from the Greek right there. It means kingship, royal power, royal rule. It's Jesus being in charge. Jesus putting things right. Jesus making things good. Like that's what he came to do. And we're in this stage where it's already happened and it is going to happen when he returns and it is happening right now. There's three things that you have to understand about kingdom. One is it's already established in some way because Jesus on the cross said it is finished. Two, when Jesus returns, he establishes a kingdom here on earth and there are no tears there's no pain, there's no sadness, there's no sin, and there's no death. So we know it's happened, we know it's going to happen, but we live in the middle where it's happening. Happening, I-N-G, like it's going on. Jesus is still putting his kingdom out there. And so we're going to talk about him putting his rule in, and, and how does that happen? And there's one th verse that that when I think of kingdom, I, I go to this verse. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, it says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. It's not just a bunch of talk. Christians in the West, we're good at the talk. And there's a place for the talk. In fact, most of what we do at church is talk. It's you listening to some guy talk, you talking to a few people on the way in and way out, and we're good at the talk, and there's nothing wrong with that, but the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. You cannot separate kingdom from power, because without kingdom, or there's no kingdom without power, that's the next blank on there, there's no kingdom without power. In order for you to be able to be king, you better be able to back it up. I could put a crown on my head right here and say, I'm the king. And if I got no power to back it up, I'm just crazy. I could sit here and tell you all day long, I'm the king of America. I'm the king of the world. But if I can't make you do what I want you to do, if I have no power to implement what I want done, then I'm just a nutcase. And so we have to think, if Jesus is king, then he better have some power to back that up. Or he's not really king, he's just crazy. Don't come around telling me that I'm establishing a kingdom and that I'm the king of kings if I can't actually make that happen. And so we live, we live in a time where if you've never experienced the power of God, Jesus, I'm wondering if he's really king of your life. In the scriptures, in the gospels, every time you read Jesus talk about kingdom, there's always a power encounter. Go through and read them. I challenge you. It'd be good for you. But when he goes out and preaches the kingdom, 
People are healed. Blind eyes are opened. The dead are raised. The deaf can hear. Lepers are cleansed. Injuries are healed. Jesus demonstrates the kingdom, and he talks about the kingdom. He shows that I'm really the king. In fact, his very first message, and this is what I love, is he walks into the synagogue, and he casts some demons out of people in the synagogue, in in the church place. Don't think that there's not a real spiritual element to this world. Now, in the West, and when I say West, I mean people that grew up with the Enlightenment and you know, we're all about scientific method, and that's really good. Scientific method is awesome. Thank God for that. Thank God we know that you can eat some penicillin and your diseases can go away. Thank God we know, like, how to set a broken bone. Thank God we know what an opioid is so that we can, you know, not be as in much pain. Thank God for all of the stuff from the Enlightenment. But God is bigger than the Enlightenment. God is bigger than our rational brain. God uses that but he's not bound to that. And we have a hard time separating that. There's no kingdom without power. Jesus in the scripture, he used his power to do some things. He uses power to heal people. He uses power to save people. He uses power to cast out demons. That's what Jesus used his power to do. And that same thing needs to happen today. There's no kingdom without power. I I heard a great story. Um, I met with somebody in the church and And he was telling me about when he went to Bible school, and he had gotten saved a little bit older in life, and he had kids. I think he said he had four kids. I might get some of the details wrong, but it's still pretty true, is is, is he was getting started with um, going to Bible school. And so he already had a full-time job, and he felt God calling him to go to Bible school because he wanted to become a pastor. And he had his four kids there, and he knew that he had to pay for this school. But you don't just have to pay for school you got to pay to live, right? Because the lights don't come on for free. And food doesn't show up for free. So he sat at his desk, and this is the story that he told me. He said, I took all my bills that I knew just weren't going to change. My house bill, my food bill, my electric bill, all that stuff. I knew that I was going to have to pay to keep my kids living. And he wrote them down, and he said, God, if you take care of this, that's for you. I'm going over here. And he left, and he went to school, and he said, I don't know how it happened. But for the next two years, all of my bills were paid. See, you cannot have kingdom, you cannot do God's will if you're not willing to step out and let his power be real. You can't. You you can't do this church thing. You can't do this Christianity thing if you don't have power. Right here, um, the kingdom of God is is supposed to overcome the kingdom of darkness, right? Now, I have this over here. We'll see if this works. It might not. But this is a light, which is no good without power. When I put that in there, it can change colors. It can do all kinds of cool stuff. But without this power source going in there, it does nothing. And I feel like sometimes we're sending you out like this. We're saying, go light up the world. Go reach the darkness. Go save somebody. Go be light in the dark places. But you don't have that. You don't have the power in there. You don't have what you need to light up the dark. I'm telling you, there is a difference between living this life with power. And you could turn the real lights on, Mike. Living the life with power and living your life like this. I feel like you, we can't talk about kingdom until you understand power. Now, how does power manifest itself? 
by the change it brings into you. In fact, it says, Jesus said something powerfully in, math, in John chapter 3. It said, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't even see Jesus' kingdom without being born again. And you can't be born again without some power. That's that blank right there. You can't even see the kingdom without being born again. In other words, I could be talking right now, and you're like, what is he talking about? Kingdom and Jesus and being a light in the dark? It might be because you're dead on the inside. It might be because you have no life on the inside. I don't say that in judgment, but I say that because that's what Jesus said. You can't even see the kingdom unless you're born again. How are you going to be born again without an encounter of power? I've seen five births. Each birth was a life-changing experience. It was a powerful encounter. It was all of a sudden there was nothing, and then there was baby alive and breathing and crying and pooping and whining. But it came out. Things were different. There was a change. And if you're going to change, you need power. We cannot just talk to you and tell you to live right. That's not going to work. You have to experience an encounter with Jesus Christ. You can't just force yourself to live right. You need the Spirit of God to change you. When I became a Christian, nobody had to tell me to stop doing drugs. I did them every day, multiple times a day. I'm just telling you, it was like a hobby. I was really good at it. I sold drugs. I'm just telling you my story. But when I decided that I wanted Jesus, I got down on the floor I poured out my heart to Jesus in faith, and something happened. When I got up off of that floor, I was different. There was power that came into my life. There was power. It wasn't an issue. Nobody told me to stop doing it. You know, like it was just free. My language changed. Like I was a creative F word user. Find various uses of the F word. Like, and some of you do that too, and you probably shouldn't. But the second I got saved, it, it just didn't come out. It didn't, nobody told me, you better watch your language. And see, we've got it backwards. We're trying to get you to be the light before you've got the power. And if you don't get some power, if you don't let God change you, you're not going to be able to do everything else. And so the worst thing that I could do for you is to sit up a list of rules and to sit up a list of things and say, this is what you need to do. No, what you need to do is you need to experience his power in your life. You need to experience the power of King Jesus to come into you and change you. And when that power hits you, all this stuff just starts to happen. You start to live differently. It starts to come out of you almost like fruit, almost like a, a transformation, almost like you were born again. And the problem is, is that, that we, don't, we don't focus on that sometimes. We try to get you to do. We try to get you to be. And try, Jesus is trying to get something inside of you to get a change in you. You can't even see the kingdom without power. Power is essential. I, I've said a few of these stories, but... But man, when I was doing a youth group and we would do everything, nobody had to tell me to go and drive and pick up kids. This power drove me. And I would bring in kids and we'd bring them into a room and we'd pick up the most messed up, 
no God, completely far away from God kids that we could. Like if they were not smoking weed in the van, it was okay. Like that was it. Get in the van. Come to church. And we bring them to church. And I remember we brought in these kids and the worship started going and they started mocking. They started making fun of the worship. And they started just like, oh, look at them. Look how stupid that is. And you could see it. And there's these teenagers doing that. And I walked up to them, and I can't say where this came from because it wasn't planned. But I walked up to them, and I I said, I came up right behind them because that kind of scares kids sometimes. And I was like, the only reason you're having a hard time in here is because you're still dealing with the pain from your parents' divorce. Where did that come from? I have no idea where that came from. I was like, oops, hope that's right. And they both started crying, and they both started repenting, and they both started worshiping. That's power. That's a message of power. Talk would have been, don't you all know you need to act right in here? But that's where we start. Don't you know you need to take this serious? See, the issue was not that they needed to take it serious. The issue is that they were broken on the inside. And there's nothing that Chris can do to heal them. But Jesus can. And when that word came out, Jesus did something in the heart. Because God did not want them hurt and broken. God did not come to point fingers. It wasn't judgment. It was healing. And how many times do we deal with people that are in pain and we try to say, oh, if you just did it right, if you just acted different, then your life would be better. It's like if you have a broken leg, And I just tell you, why don't you just walk straight? Just put one foot in front of the other. No, heal the leg and they'll walk straight. And a lot of us, we've been living in this cycle, and you in this room, where you're trying to live right, but your leg is broken, or you have no power, and you just can't. And the last thing for you need is me to stand up and say, just, just get up and walk straight. You need Jesus to heal the leg, and then all of a sudden walking straight is not that big of a deal. You need the power of God in your life. And there is no kingdom without power. The next thing, we're going to read a, a two more scriptures. One is in the book of Matthew, chapter 27. I'm sorry, chapter 12, verse 27. Jesus is going around casting out demons. Now, if you don't believe in demons, that's fine, because that's probably what the demons want you to believe. But there is a demonic realm into this world. Not everything is a demon, but it doesn't mean that there's no demons. Sometimes you break your leg because you jumped off a 12-foot roof, and that was stupid. All right? I mean, sometimes there's life. Life is real. There's all kinds of problems that are not associated with demons. But don't discount the enemy. Because he's real, and he hates you, and he hates God, and he can't mess with God, but he can mess with you. So he's looking at it, well, I can't do anything to God, but this guy, I could do something to him. So there is a real demonic world. I mean, I'm not trying to get super spooky, and there's not demons everywhere, but they're still out there. And so Jesus had a big deal where he would cast out demons. Like I said, one of his first ones was casting out them in the church or in the synagogue. 
is that if I cast out, and, and they're telling Jesus that the only reason he can cast out demons is because he's the chief demon. Like, that was their go-to move. The only reason Jesus can cast out a demon is because he's got a demon in him. And so Jesus looks at them, and he says, if I'm casting out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, there will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Do you know when the kingdom of God advances, the powers of darkness are revealed? It's kind of like when you're in a room and you don't even realize it's dark because the sun has just gone down. And then all of a sudden somebody turns the light on. You're like, whoa, it was kind of dark in here. You ever had that happen? The sun just goes down, and you're sitting in the dark before you know it, and then somebody hits the light on, you're like, turn that off. But when the kingdom of God is revealed, or expanded, the kingdom of darkness is revealed. It says, therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. It says, he's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So God has moved us through faith. When we encounter his power, God takes us out of the domain of darkness, meaning the enemy cannot touch you. He could just mess with you. He can lie to you but he really has no authority over you. There is no kingdom without opposition. If the kingdom of God is going forth, there's going to be some opposition. Now, not all the bad stuff you're facing is the opposition. Sometimes you just do stupid things. For instance, if you rob a bank and get arrested and go to prison, don't say, man, the devil's after me. No, you robbed a bank, dummy. No, you ran from the cops. That's consequences. There's plenty of consequences. Don't eat five McDonald's five times a day for the week and say, man, the devil's putting some weight on my body. It's just the devil. Look at this. He's coming. He's attacking me with some extra pounds. No, that's consequences. But the devil does come. I I can think of a time, and, and usually it comes right after God reveals a certain truth. And so me and my wife, we were there, and, you know, take it for what it is, but we had gone through this big thing about not going to bed angry. Do you know the Bible says don't go to bed angry? It's much easier to go to bed angry. It's easy to go to bed angry. The Bible says don't go to bed angry. And so me and my wife, um, you know, we're married for a while, and all of a sudden we're, we're, we're learning to grow as a couple and grow as adults. And, you know, we got married young at 18, and so now we're a little bit older than 18, and we're trying to become, be married, and we hadn't had kids yet, but... They were like, all right, don't go to bed angry. And so we had done pretty good. Well, then something happened. I don't even know what it was, but something happened. And I was going to go to bed angry because it's much easier. So we were mad at each other. And instead of talking things out and getting things right, I made the executive decision that I'm just going to turn the lights off and I'm going to go to sleep. Maybe I'm crazy. Could be. But that very night, about 15 seconds after I closed my eyes, I felt like what sounded like something walking down the hallway. I heard it. Just like. 
And you know, if you know your house well enough, you kind of know where the hallway, you know the sounds in the hallways. And something, this thing came around the hallway, came right to where my door is, and the second it happened, I just was under attack. I can't explain it. It's kind of like night terror. I'm just gasping everything I can just to say, Jesus. Finally, after about 30 seconds, I said, Jesus. And then it broke. And I sat up, and my wife's like, what's the matter with you? And I was like, I'm so sorry. We need to get things right. I'm so sorry. We need to get things right because, you know, Scripture says that the, the enemy would love to bring a root of bitterness in there. I'm not saying in every fight that you're going to be attacked like that, but there is a spiritual realm. And when you disobey God and you go against his word, you give the enemy a great shot to come up against you. And so I repented. I said, no, we should not have gone again angry. I forgive you for allowing me to go to sleep angry. And I'm just, <laughs> that's not the way to start that conversation. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. So we stayed up all night. We just didn't sleep that night. No, I'm just kidding. We, we eventually got it together. We got it right. You know, I, I don't remember what happened. It was probably my fault. A lot of things are, are my fault. Um, you know, usually it's both of our faults. I mean, we got it right. Just to, to give you more reality about this demonic stuff, I don't want to, like, over, over beat a dead horse or anything like that, but it's real. I remember one of the first times, like, this is how real it is. I, we did, I told you I used to love bringing young people to Jesus. So we brought these people that didn't know Jesus at all, and I was a sneak. I was really sneaky for Jesus. And so I'd be like, y'all want to come over for some nachos? They're like, nachos? Yes. So I bring young people to my house, and then I just open the Bible and go to town on them. Well, here's nachos, but while you're eating those, here they are. And so I just read the Bible and talk about the Bible, and they were like, okay, that's fine. And I would have these young people. In fact, that's how I met my wife is that we would do these groups at my house. Nobody had to tell me to start a small group. I didn't even hear know what the word small group was. Nobody said, hey, we're looking for small group leaders. If, if anybody would like to live, have a small group and, and maybe help people, you know, grow in their faith and not be defeated by the enemy. Like if you got extra time in your day and you want to make a difference and there's people that are lost and if you could give an hour of your time to help somebody's eternal soul. Like, and, and, and if you're not busy, like you don't have a lot of soccer practices, then, then, then you know, if you have the time and you care about somebody's soul, maybe you could, we, you could think about a small group. Nobody, no. When the power of God hit me, how can I hold this back? I didn't know small group was even a thing. I didn't know it was a life-changing thing. I just knew that if I talked to people about the word of God, things happened. And I knew that if people could encounter Jesus like I did, things would happen. And I knew that they would come for nachos. So I combined those three things together, nachos and the word of God, and I would preach to them and talk to them and and share the word, really not preach as much as just read and be like, do you see what that says? Do you see who Jesus is? Do you see what he did for you? And then we would close in prayer. And it wasn't, God, just thank you for this day. You're awesome. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Like, I just went at it because I don't know another way. I don't know another way but to be honest and open with God. And I remember we would, I would take those kids and they'd be like, we're done with the nachos. We're done with the scripture. And by like, hold hands, we're going to pray. And right or wrong, then we pray for like 45 minutes. Or I pray for 45 minutes, and they sat there. They couldn't go because I took them home, you know. So 
But I remember in those meetings, eventually, after about 15 minutes, they say, well, he's not stopping. We might as well join him. And so then they'd start praying, too, and you get more people, and God's spirit seemed like he showed up. But I remember this one girl, I don't know if it was a demon, and I don't know, you know, I never really, nobody, I never saw anything like this before. Nobody told me anything like this before. There was no, like, uh, prior priming or anything like this. This was just a kid who got people together with nachos and read the Bible and started praying. And then this girl starts acting crazy. Like, super crazy. Like, making faces and squirming and acting silly. And, and I'm, like, months saved. But I had read the Bible. And I was like, well, this kind of looks like what Jesus dealt with. In the name of Jesus, be free. In the name of Jesus, be free. Enemy, you have no control here. And it was like something broke in the room, and she changed, and God is good. It's real. I wasn't fishing for demons. But when you expand the kingdom, they show up. Some of you guys might be dealing with the enemy, and you don't have to because Jesus is king. The next thing here. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, we exhorted each of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you in his own kingdom. There's no kingdom without customs. Without customs. And what I mean by customs is we need to walk worthy of our God. We need to be people of faith. We need to be people that when God calls us to Japan, you say, all right, God, I'm going but I got these bills, but you didn't tell me to pay my bills. You told me that I didn't have to worry about this stuff. I'm going. People that walk in purity, people that walk in holiness, people, people that walk in goodness and kindness and mercy. The problem, and the reason I did it this way, is a lot of times we start here. We try to get you to learn all these customs, and you've never even become a part of the kingdom. You've never encountered his power. So we're telling lights that have no power in them to start shining. We're saying, all right, be pure. Get free of your drugs. Be forgiving. Be merciful. And you're like, I can't do that. We get it backwards. All that stuff the customs, you better live like that. If you got the power, you start to live like that. And sometimes you self-correct and you learn to grow in the customs and to, to be a child of the king. But, but I want to challenge you today. Is you need an encounter with God. Now, some of you in here today, and, and as we were praying, I really feel like you need an encounter with God. You need some power in your life. How do you get that? I just go to the Bible. Jesus says, if you ask your father for the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give you a fish. I mean, he's not going to give you a stone. You know what I'm saying? He says, he told the story about it. If you ask your father, it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God enjoys giving you power. He enjoys releasing his spirit in you. He enjoys setting people free. Some of you, when we talked about the enemy just now, 
if you were honest with yourself, the enemy has been coming against you. You're depressed and there's no reason to be depressed. You're afraid and there's no reason to be afraid. You're bound and addicted and there's, you hate it. Nobody likes being a slave. We've dealt with slavery in this country. Nobody likes that. People would prefer to be free. So why walk around with your chains? If Jesus would set you free, because if you know the Son, the Son will set you free. So I want you to close your eyes just for a second. I want you to be very honest, because, you know, I, I can't help but do that. We could play games. That's easy. People all over the country right now walking into churches broken, walking into churches with addictions, walking into churches without power, and leaving the same way. All over the country, all over the world, I dare say millions of people doing that. God is providing a free meal, freedom, deliverance, hope. People walking out say, no, I'm good. But there are some that will say, I need that. I'm tired of being bound. I'm tired of being held back. I need some power. If you've not been shining, if you've not been being the light, it's not because you need to try harder. It's because you need God's Spirit to work in you. You might be dealing with bitterness, anger, hatred. God doesn't want you to leave with that. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm saying be free. If there was actual slavery in this room, like human trafficking type slavery, and I said you could be free if you raise your hand, we'll get you out of there, we'll deliver you, I hope people would do that. There's spiritual bondage, there's there's pain, there's hurt. If you need to be free, if you need more of God's power in your life, maybe you've been free before, but you see yourself falling into old patterns. Maybe you've touched and you've tasted before, but you're not like you used to be. Maybe you've never experienced God's power. But if that's you, would you put your hand up if you need more of God's power in your life? Amen. Amen. There's no shame in that. I'm going to invite you to stand with me right now. We're going to be closing right now. But if you put your hand up, see, Jesus is big about faith, right? You can't read the Gospels. And I'm short, so I'm standing on my tippy toes. You can't read the Gospels without hearing about all the faith. I'm going to do this because I could do this. So you can see me. All right, don't mock me. But you can't read the Gospels or read them out. Jesus really liked faith. When people would press through the crowd and they'd touch them, they'd be healed. When they'd do something, they'd go above and beyond and they'd be healed. So as an act of your faith, if you really think God could do this, and you put your hand up, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, 
but I'm going to invite you to come to the front as we sing this song. And I'm going to invite you to come to the front and just put your hands like this and ask God to set you free because Chris can't set you free. So if you put your hand up, I'm going to invite you right now. Can't be more embarrassing than standing on the chair like I just did. This is just an act of faith. And just worship up here. There's nothing special about up here, but there's something special about reaching out in faith. And we're just going to worship. I might come by and pray with some of you. But just this is you and God right now. Just whisper to Him. Nobody has to hear what you say. Tell Him you're hungry. Tell Him you're broken. Ask Him for your, His power. This is your time with God. We don't have anything else to do today that's more important than for you to encounter God's Spirit and His power. Thank you, Jesus.